0: In your Bibles, Romans 12, continuing on with the verses that we have been looking at since January. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The last several weeks we have begun this time together by corporately reading them. They were our memory verses earlier in the year. All right. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Again, um, if you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you one free of charge. Every uh, Sunday that we gather, we open the Word of God. And so, uh, if you need a Bible, by all means, please talk to us afterwards and, and put one in your hands before you leave. All right, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's uh, read those corporately once again. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... For Your Word. John seventeen seventeen reminds us that we are sanctified. We are set apart. We are transformed by Your Word and Your Word is truth. And so now, in the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit, would you please help us to understand it? And then, Lord, to bring specific application to each one of us. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know where we are with you in our transformation process. And so, Father, we ask You now, uh, speak to our hearts. And ultimately, again, that uh, we would not just be hearers, but doers. And in the obedience, in the walk of faith, You would transform us from the inside out to be more and more like Your Son, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. So we have been looking at transformation. What's the M word? Transformation means what? Metamorphosis, which is transformation. transformation supernaturally from the inside out, right? And uh, we've been using this picture, which is really uh, what that word means. It is a, we are designed, it is intended for us as Christians, not just to say a prayer and then try our best to be good and happy until it's time to go home to heaven. But when we put our faith in Christ, we begin a process of transformation or metamorphosis. And this is what they mean by that. It means that as believers, we're not just supposed to be the best caterpillars we can be. It means, there's a big word, progressive sanctification. It means during our time on earth, we are to be transformed, literally. It is a supernatural act, and it is God's will for us that we literally... Become and walk in newness of life. He says we're new creations, but we're to walk in that, right? And I asked Shiloh a little bit different uh, this morning because we started this January 3rd, right? Our first Sunday together, New Year, was January 3rd. Today happens to be April 3rd. And the question on on the front of your bulletins is, how far have you walked in 2016 right? Because we are challenged, and, and Mike, I kind of have an open, an open okay from Mike. If you, knew, if you knew, this is Mike. One time he said, hey, I have all the sermon notes for our first three years together. I'm like, great, can I have them? And so this is three years, so three years later, this would almost be doubled. And, and the question is, what are we supposed to do with all this? Do we just gather on Sundays? to accumulate more information. And is this accumulation of information, is that how we move? Is that the sole basis for our transformation, supernatural metamorphosis, is just to come and add another sheet to accumulate more information? No, it's not, right? God calls us to transformation, not just accumulation, right? Now, Hearing the word is the basis, but if we don't do something with it, you're just accumulating more information. And I'll let you in as a little here's a little pastoral secret. What I share with you as far as what the Bible means and the Greek and the Hebrew and all that kind, you could find it yourself. You really could. It's all out there. And I'm just talking, in it, even pre-internet, there's, there's libraries and books you could get, concordance, encyclopedias, commentaries, books that will give you the Greek and Hebrew. It's all out there if you really wanted it. So, So it's not like I claim to have any special knowledge or insight. That's Gnosticism, you know. God has just gifted me to communicate it in a certain way, right? But it's not just... To give you more data. It's not just for accumulation. The choice you and I have to make is, what do I do with this? See, the challenging part for me is, is I spend half the week trying to understand Scripture and trying to understand what the passage means and to to be
1: as accurate as I
0: can. Because that's that's a heavy accountability if you're gonna if you're gonna say, you're teaching God's Word, well, you better be doing it right, because people listen and there's, there's a heavy weight. But then there's the part of me, is not just pastorally, but even personally, as I study it, I have to go, okay, Lord, am I just accumulating another sermon? You know, one of the biggest challenges for pastors is that we study and we pray because that's what we get paid to do. See, I have my, my own unique challenge. I'm immersed in this. My challenge is, well, why are you doing it? Are you really applying this to you, Richie, minus the word pastor? Or are you just studying and you just praying because they're expecting something come Sunday morning? See, that's a real trap for us on this end of it. That we even, even lose sight of this Personally and all of my enthusiasm and zeal for you to be progressing, you know what? I can be, I can be stuck. And I'm, 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 Carl, go on, Carl. God's doing great things in your life. I'm good. But you keep going, Carl. It, it, it's possible. It's possible. I can, I can teach this, and the power of the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, and you leave here, and you begin applying it, and you zoom. But because it's just a job to me, I'm just I'm, I'm good. I can be good and happy. Pastors can get good and happy. If we're not careful. So so I share this with you on the front end because I understand. I'm with you. And I may even have more of a unique challenge because I live this and you know there's a phrase uh, familiarity breeds contempt. I'm real familiar with this. Right? My challenge sometimes is when I when I know we're going to look at a, a story in the Bible that many of you know as much as you try to hide it, you check out. David and Goliath. Oh my gosh, really, really, really. Oh, Jesus' birth again. Yeah, okay, manger. See, the challenge is you—you—you you feel very familiar with certain passages, and when we say, "Okay, it's God's word," and I—and I, and I say, "Oh, some of you," oh, it's tough. And and so I understand the challenge to stay focused. I understand the challenge to to be open to God speaking to you when you've been in church or you were raised in church and you're kind of comfortable and you got things wired in your life and church fits and the way you walk with God fits and everything just kind of fits. Because look what happened to the caterpillar. What happened to the caterpillar? He's gone. He's gone. In fact, I shared with you, right, in this chrysalis right here. Robert had one of these. He, he showed us one of these. That's called a chrysalis. We call it a cocoon. What is happening in the chrysalis to the caterpillar? It's getting eaten. The caterpillar is getting eaten. And that nourishment is, is somehow God did this to where the caterpillar gets eaten and the genes are already present and, and it feeds the emerging butterfly. You see, here's the challenge in metamorphosis. It requires change. It it requires change in the very best way. And so the question for us, one of the questions if we're going to get out of accumulation of more information is, are you willing to change? See, how many of you would aspire to move along that and get there? Now put your hand up. Now be careful. How many of you, how many of you are willing to pay the price for that to happen? Right? There is a cost involved. There is a cost involved. And it's not that you don't love the Lord, maybe, and it's not that you don't have intentions or desires to change, but the last few months we've been saying many of us are stuck in neutral because our Christianity is based on good intentions now. Think about that. When we first started with the Lord, oh my gosh, I understand the Bible. It's simple. Read it and do it. Duh. Right? I never saw this before, right? And it, it, it came to life. And you just said, oh, that, that, I heard that. I'm just going to go do that. Simple. Right, Wes? Simple. We get to a certain place. We mature. God changes us. We maybe get a little comfortable. And suddenly application becomes intention. Well, now we're just intending. Now it's like, oh yeah, that's, that, that's a good message for you. I heard a great message. i got to share that with somebody. And suddenly, it's no longer about us personally walking with Jesus in this wonderful journey of transformation. We now just have really good intentions and we're really helping others get their act together, but I'm fine, right? That's one of the reasons we get stuck, if we're not careful, if we're not careful. And so, so this morning, shy thanks, you can put that up. This morning, I thought, okay, we started January 3rd, it's April 3rd. Now many of you are, are, have been new, that's awesome. But if you've been with us since January 3rd, I want you just to, just to take a few moments and be very honest with yourself. How much transformation has happened in three months? How different are you? Today, after three months, of studying this line by line little by little step by step as you sit here on April 3rd do you see do you celebrate do you recognize transformation or not you see that this is where uh, you know I've shared this with you before. It's 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 always challenging pastorally, because there's this pressure every Sunday to come up with something new, something new, something new. When all along pastors are like, "What'd you do with the old? What are you doing with the old? What are you doing with what are you doing with that?" And you want something new, and we come back and we go, you know, I you know I spend a lot of time reviewing, and and I do that for those who haven't been here, and I do that. Because many of us forget what was said, Cindy. <laughs> Appreciate your honesty. And so, and but sometimes they go, "Why do you review so much? Why don't you just start with something new?"
1: Well, because the
0: question is, what did you do with
1: last week's?
0: Did you did you did you take this week to really? Ponder it? Meditate on it? Pray? Ask God to reveal the application? Or did you just add it to the pile? And then want to come Sunday for the next new thing? It's always this intense pressure. You know, the way we do church in this country is just amazing because there's this pressure on the pastors. You've got to attract people. You've got to be dynamic. You've got to do this. You can't teach the Word. People won't come for the Word. You've got to be funny. You've got to show videos. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. When all along, we have such a heart for you that we want to see you transformed, And our burning question is, What's God doing in your life last week? What's God doing in your life with what we taught last Sunday? How is He transforming you? Where are you being convicted? Where are you, where are you celebrating victory from what we studied last week? It's always a huge challenge because everyone wants the newest thing. The newest thing. How was the sermon? Ah, dude, he went over the same thing again. What's Chad preaching on? Because Richie's stuck on transformation. It's like he means it. Like we're really supposed to be transformed. It's always a tension we have. That, 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 give us something, feed us, right? And, and we're in the back of our heart, like, but what's God doing in your life? What is He doing today? How did He speak to you? What, what, where, where are you being challenged? Where are you, being, where are you scared to death to take the next step? That's, that's our heart. That's why we do what we do. And so, in this transformation process, it, even this, over the last three months, what did we learn? I, I kind of summarized. If you look in your notes there, I, I tried to create a summary of where we've been in January, since January, right? Metamorphosis, primarily through the renewing of our what? Mind. And you see a progression there. Beliefs, thoughts, emotions, actions. How many of you have ever had somebody show up late to, to pick you up? Don't nudge the person next to you and don't, don't... Now, as you were waiting for that person, how many of you have started to get angry? How many of you started to think not good things? And how many of you, when that person showed up, lovingly and gently let them know how you feel? Okay. So whether or not you understand that, you, you went through this progression. Beliefs led to some thoughts, created emotions, and when they showed up, Right? (laughs) (laughs) Cue. Right? Our beliefs are very important because you are carrying certain beliefs. Oh, they're always late. They always do this. They don't care about me. Kathy, you're laughing kind of loud. I don't know. uh, Pat? You know? We carry beliefs. Oh, now people are pointing. (laughs) This whole row has been outed right here. right? (laughs) You carry beliefs. They don't care. They're so disrespectful. They only think about themselves. Huh? Huh? Thoughts, festering, emotions, temperature rising. And then they show up and they don't even care. It makes it worse. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Right? We got an amen from this side, right? Now, now, here's the power of, of changing a belief. When Bill got hit by a car, uh, he was supposed to meet somebody. And I was down at, at uh, the ER, and I got a call from the guy he was supposed to meet, who had no clue what had happened. So he called asking where if I knew where Bill was. Now, hypothetically, and this didn't happen, hypothetically, if he had these these, carrying these beliefs about Bill. Imagine. Oh, Bill. He's always, Bill just thinks about himself. I was supposed to meet him. Where? He blew me off, right? How could he? And he could have gone down the exact same path. But he called and I said, oh, you know what happened, bro? Yeah, I know he was supposed to meet you because I knew he was supposed to meet He goes, but he got hit. He goes, oh. And immediately, everything changed down line. You see? Just like that person who's late. You're thinking all the da da, da 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 and you find out some tragedy or some, there was some legitimate thing. How many of you have ever okay be honest, how many of you have ever gone down that path of anger da, da, and you go and then you find out something? And you feel about this big. <laughs> right? Like, oh my bad. <laughs> my bad. Right. Josh is like, Yeah, right. Be- what happened? Well, fundamentally you change your belief and it changes your thoughts, change your emotions that fast. That's why in transformation, in this, this thing with, with metamorphosis, he says renew your minds because we carry beliefs around. Beliefs about church, beliefs about God, beliefs about this. And he says renew your mind. Make sure that it's in line with this because it's going to lead to thoughts, it's going to create emotions, and it's going to create actions. As a youth pastor, I had these issues with parents who had raised their kids in the church and little Johnny decided to go cray-cray. And they couldn't understand because little Johnny had been raised in the church and went to Awana and did all the church stuff and he was acting out and they were like, what's wrong with Johnny? I said, well, you're trying to fix these actions. Maybe you've got to ask little Johnny what he really believes. Because his actions were just really kind of manifestations of what he really believed or didn't believe. You see, that's, that, that's why I believe it's so important when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Even if you've been in church, sometimes in church you pick up things and you think you're right. And you you know, and Bill, remember that when you taught on heaven and hell? And we had long-term church goers say, but I always heard. But I always thought, and you carried around this belief for 20, 30 years that actually wasn't even biblical, right? So that's why it's so important that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we've seen that God has given us everything we need for transformation, right? He's given us the mind of Christ, which means we can understand spiritual things. He's given us the Word of God, which we believe is His Word, right? And we're sanctified and He's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And it says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, resides where? In us. So some of us, the renewing of your mind might be, what do you believe about the person staring at you in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, it's okay. It's okay. When you look in the mirror, what do you believe about you? What do you believe about you? Meaning who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? Because some of us, the first step of renewal is to believe what God says about you. You have to embrace it. You have the mind of Christ. You're a new creation. That word new creation I've shared with you before means something that never existed before. Never existed before. If you're in Christ, okay, have you ever had the mind of Christ before? No. Have you ever had God the Holy Spirit reside in you before? (laughs) That's what he means by a new creation. Who is that true of? If you're a believer, that is true of Everyone do this. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, these are true. You have the mind of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead resides in what? Some of you you're stuck and you're not moving in transformation because you have not yet believed and appropriated that. You're still trying to do this Christian thing in your own effort, in your intentions, in good morality. And you're, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. No, no, no. It is not about you. It is about walking in the Spirit. Appropriating God's Word, believing it by faith, and saying, Lord, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. As a what? New creation. You're a new creation. In fact, Second Corinthians says the old has what? Old.
1: Passed away.
0: The old has passed away we saw last week, turn to Romans 6.4. Romans 6.4 in, in honor of Resurrection Day, Easter. We saw Mason get baptized and that was a wonderful symbol of identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Right? Right? Wonderful opportunity last Sunday to celebrate that. Romans 6.4 says this, We were therefore buried with Him. Okay? This is our identification, our union with Jesus, we were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may what? Live a new life. How many of you fully convinced that Jesus was raised from the dead? How many fully convinced that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a new life He was it was new. Right? He was really dead, and he really came back to life, to a new life. Amen? These verses say hey, you know what? As a believer, you're to live a new life. In fact, the New King James says you're to walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. So, think about how you've been living your life lately. Has it been in newness? Have you been living your life with the intention and the deliberate desire to walk in newness of life? Or is it just kind of same old, same old? And newness of life is not just getting more and more busy. It starts with the heart issue. It's a recognition of who you are in Christ and letting God lead you throughout the day. Letting God lead you throughout the day, right? And so if you look in your notes, we see that we're to live a new life, right? We're new creations. We're to walk in newness of life. We're to walk in the truth. And then kind of today, I wanted just to kind of help you to understand our heart and kind of pull back a little bit and get a a big perspective. Turn to Colossians 1. So you're going to go to your right a few books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. The Apostle Paul says some really, really wonderful things about the believers in Colossae. Colossians 1. Let's start in verse 3. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He's talking about the believers in Colossae because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So is this church doing well? Right? From those verses, they're, they're doing really well, right? Look at verse um, verse 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. How many say they're doing pretty well? Good report. Woohoo! Report card, A. They got, they're getting an A. Paul's like, yes, solid solid so look at verse 9 for this reason that's what he's referring to for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you and asking god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding you know what's amazing verse 9 says for this reason right all the good reports that they heard since the day we heard about you all the good stuff we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you isn't that interesting?" Oftentimes, when do we pray for people? When they're in trouble, when they're in crisis, when they're they're in the wilderness, when there's a big need. Paul is praying for the believers because things are going really well. When was the last time you prayed for someone who was solid in their faith to get more solid in their faith? Isn't that? Think about that. How much, what percentage of your prayer is just crisis, need, fear, worry, anxiety driven? And here Paul says, hey, you know what? Since we heard, from the moment we heard all the good stuff about you, we started praying for you. That God would continue to bless you. And that you would continue to grow. I want to encourage you. Pray for those that maybe you see as strong in the faith. Add that to your prayer concerns and your prayer list. Ask God to continue to bless those that are maturing and growing in their faith. That's what Paul does here. And look what he asks for specifically. He says this. We have not stopped. He's praying ceaselessly. We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What's he praying for? That they would understand his word as revealed through his will. And when it says here knowledge, he's not just talking about information. He's not just talking about more accumulation. He says, you know what? We want you to know God and his will through his word so much that it just saturates you. And then where it says all spiritual wisdom and understanding, what it means is this, that you would comprehend it, And then you would know how to apply it. That's what spiritual wisdom and understanding means. See, a lot of us get stuck on comprehension. Lord, help me understand your word. He says, I want you to understand it, comprehend it, but then I also want you to understand how to apply it specifically to your life. And that's where the transformation will happen. If you will take what you understand and then spend the week saying, Lord... So how does this really apply to me? But you better be careful. Because he'll start to show you. And then you've got to be willing to do it. You remember Second Timothy where he says one of the purposes of God's word is rebuke? What's rebuke? To expose error. Are we really willing to have God expose error in our life? Are we really willing and you know, my, one, my favorite illustration is the mirror. How many of you woke up and your mirror revealed error this morning? Show of hands. How many of you, your mirror, at some point this morning, revealed errors in your face? Anyone? How many of you joyfully and gladly received a correction and did something about it? Anyone? Did anyone get in an argument with the mirror about what the mirror was revealing? I didn't say I didn't like it. I just had argued with... The mirror was simply revealing imperfections. And we go there every morning asking for it. And some of us get these ten-time magnifications because we need... I'm not even, I'm not even going to go there. I just, I, I've gotten to the point in our house... It's, because we have like mirrors like the time you attach to the wall to swing arm you know when you flip it magnification non. I'm like oh, <laughs> <laughs> why is that? because we, we value the mirrors the mirrors show us imperfections in our desire to present ourselves well to the community <laughs> and significant others hint hint um, we embrace the mirror right? That's all this is. That's what this is. God's like, Paul is saying, I want you to know God's will. I want it to saturate your life. I want, it, I want you to know it so much that it begins to control you. And, and, and really, there's a word, strong word, dominate. That that's where it says here. Look in verse uh, 9 again. It says, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spirits. That word fill, very important. It's not like a gas tank. That word fill in the Bible means control. There's examples in Luke where they were filled with rage, filled with sorrow. Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filling is not like a gas tank. What it means is to be so saturated, so permeated by something that it controls you. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be so yielded, so submitted, that the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. He is saying, I want you to know God's will so profoundly. I want it to saturate your very being that it is what controls you. Your thoughts, your words. Your attitudes, your actions, that's what he's praying for them. That you would comprehend it and know how to make application. Be filled, be controlled by it. And then what he says, look, verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I've been in ministry like 20, 25 years, probably 25 years or so. And, you know, sometimes it's not a real popular place to be, especially when you're teaching God's Word and you know that, yeah, this isn't going to be one of those rousing messages, you know. And it's, it's tough at times. And sometimes you go, Lord, why? why am I doing this again? You know, what are you calling me to do? What, what is this? And these two verses really minister to me. You're talking about transformation. It really helped me to get perspective after 25 plus years of ministry, about how to deal with people who are angry, people who leave, people who criticize, people who just accuse of legalism, accuse of, you know, you guys are all
1: hardcore over there. You guys are this. You guys are
0: that. And God really ministered to me through these verses because let's read them again. It says, Hey, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you come to OBCF Here's the heart of the leadership here. We want you to know God's will so much. We want you to know Him, and we want you to know His will so much that this is the driving force in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the bottom line, guys. This, this, if you come here, if you choose to make this your church, that is, that is our heart. So that, verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, may please Him in every good way, bearing fruit in every good word, growing in the knowledge of God. That's my heart. I, 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 you want to know what makes me tick? I want you to know God. I want you to know His Word so much that it, it, it controls you. It, it, it permeates your every being so that you live a life worthy of the Lord. You bear fruit and you grow in the knowledge of Him.
1: That's, that's what we're about
0: here. Honestly. And that word here, let me, let me be real clear. Where it says live a life in New King James, it's walk. It's all about walking, right? How many of you have done the Fitbit 10,000 steps thing? <laughs> Thank you, Josh, because I know there's others that weren't. Well, Right? This whole fitness craze, fitness tractors, the American Heart Association, others came up with this kind of general guideline, 10,000 steps a day, burns calories, good for your health, so people buy all these things and they are diligent to track their steps. To walk, right? And it's amazing. Well, when it says in this verse, live a life worthy, and in other verses in Philippians, he says, I want you to walk. Walk in newness of life. Walk a life that's worthy. And what is walking? One step at a time. Some people would make huge leaps in their transformation if they were as diligent about taking a step with the Lord as they are about Fitbit. It's like I wish we had a spiritual Fitbit tracker. And at the end of the day, you could monitor how many steps you took forward with Jesus. Right? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Well, it might be a bummer for some. I'm like, oh man, I went backwards. How did I go backwards? Right? It it It's a walk. It's a walk. And what is the basis of that walk? A choice. It's a choice you and I make throughout the day. Every choice, you can look at it as a potential step. As a potential step. So when I asked you at the beginning, it's April 3rd, and we started this in January 3rd, how far have you walked this? How many steps have you taken this year? Not just through Sundays, but through life. Bill Bill has been in the wilderness. And he's been challenged to have his mind renewed about himself, about his relationship with God. And I've been blessed because he has chosen to take one step at a time. Just one step. And he wants to go and he wants it to be over with, but he realizes... And last week we said sometimes all we have to do is we just have to get in step with God and go at His pace. Just go at His pace. But you have to accept that you have the freedom to choose. You have the freedom to choose. You can decide. Some of you have to decide to decide. Okay? So we're going to do, do a little exercise here. I know many of you came with friends and family Etc. Etc. But for the time being, I want you to forget everyone that you came with. In fact, I want you to forget everyone that you, that's around here. This is just you right now. Just you. And on the count of three, you have two choices. You can decide to stand or you can decide to stay seated. Okay? No judgment. Everyone's like, which one's, which one's the right one? What's Doris going to do? If I stand, is that wrong? See, you already wigged out. You got so freaked out about being wrong that you can't even make a decision. I am giving you right now complete freedom. Complete freedom. No judgment. And this illustrates, there is no judgment. On the count of three, you decide either to stand or to sit because you decided to do that. Or you can decide before I count. <laughs> Is everyone good at well, Lois, you're just Lois. So this is, some of you some of you this is gonna be real easy because you you're like Lois. You just I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm gonna do it. Others when I said it, oh man, you got so anxious. What if Dale doesn't stand? I'll stand if you stand. What's Doris gonna
1: do? Is this a trick?
0: You got so wound up! I, I'm just simply presenting an opportunity to make a decision in your life. And you're just like, don't, Diana's going to cry because she's okay, Diana. There is no right or wrong right now. Okay. <laughs> Count of three. Lois, I guess you're going to stand because we all know that. But you can change your mind just because it's you. One, two, three.
1: <laughs> Look. <laughs> Look.
0: <laughs> okay, sit back down. Sit back down. <laughs> you guys are amazing. Everyone who's right away, like, are the cool people standing? Are the cool people
1: standing? Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> Here's the point you had the freedom to choose. And as as and as 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 protected as that was for some, that was already tough. And I just simply gave you an opportunity to make a choice. I just, how many of you, if you if you embraced the challenge, how many of you felt good about making a choice, for you? It was it was freeing. It was freeing. Why? Because remember, in Romans it says, "Don't be conformed to the world." You were surrounded by people in a world that is t- trying to fit you into the mold. Constantly. And if you're going to walk with Jesus, it's going to get worse. And somewhere along the line, you have to embrace that you can decide to decide. And you can begin to walk. But you have to accept that you can decide. It's a good thing. You have the mind of Christ, you're a new creation, you have the Holy Spirit. You can decide, you can choose. You can choose. That's, that's liberating. It's terrifying, but it's also liberating. But you got to embrace it, even if, when the t- storms come. And I'll close with this. I got a call this week, and I share this with permission. I talked to the person yesterday. I got a phone call this week. Someone who is uh, out of town at a conference. And the conference started well, but then the conference started to get more and more of a challenge because c- scheduling issues... All kinds of stuff, personality issues. Person tried to deal with it, deal with it. We talked a little bit while it was going on. I got a call midweek, and something had happened, and this person was like, just had lost it, completely upset,
1: crying, Da-da-da.
0: and and was calling for counsel for help. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, okay, and I'm, you know, it's one of those where I try to, I try maybe too quick to start talking, and I have to like, ooh, not ready yet. Finally, we get to the place, and I'm like, okay, you ready to listen? I go, okay. So they were in the hotel room, and I said, okay, I want you to do something. I go, oh, are you? where are you? Oh, I'm sitting on my bed, okay. In the middle of upset, in the middle of just, Rage and anger about everything that's happened. Just ah, oh, how could they? Da, 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 I'm so mad. Da, da. Literally, just when you know you've been in that moment. So I want you to do something. You gotta trust me. I want you to stand. Are you standing? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to sit. Are you sitting back down. Uh huh. I just wanted you to see right now in the midst of all of this and all your feelings, you just made a choice. You still have a choice. You, you, you were able to stand and then you were able to sit in the midst of all your anger and angst and, and upset feelings and crying today. You still chose to stand and you still chose to sit. And that was the turning point of the conversation because this person had felt so overwhelmed by circumstance so overwhelmed by emotion that they felt powerless to even choose. And the little illustration that you guys just did, this person did in their hotel room, and suddenly they were like, oh, I can choose, can't I? Yeah, you can choose. You can choose your perspective. You can choose your language. You can choose how you now will interact with the people around you. You have the choice. And we we spoke later and the person said to me, you know, I just, I just want to let you know. You reminded me that I could choose. You reminded me that I can make a decision. And it made all the difference. And before we hung up, I, I, I encouraged this person. I said, I want you to do one more thing after we hang up. I want you to turn on music. I said, are you alone in your hotel room? I said, yeah. I said, turn on music. Like fun music. Happy music. And just... Enjoy. Just choose to engage in that music. And uh, yesterday, like, hey, you know that music thing? Yeah, I did it. And I started dancing. <laughs> and she, and, and she, in 15 minutes, everything changed. She was empowered to make change, she was empowered to make decisions that radically changed her. In the midst of this situation. It was choice. It was choice. And so God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He says, Here's God's word, here's the Holy Spirit. Go to a church where it's taught so that you know it so well that it fills you. So that you have a walk worthy of the Lord. And shall I put down the screen? Here's what that word worthy means. It is not trying to earn salvation. It is not, not, not trying to earn salvation. When it says have a walk worthy, the word pictures in your notes scales. When it says have a walk worthy of the Lord, it means this my conduct equally matches Jesus' character. That's where we're going. Now many of us go ahead, try the next one. That's kind of us. That's sanctification. It's a little out, it's not in balance not equal. Well, sanctification is making choices little by little to where my conduct, my life equally weighs out with Jesus' character. Go ahead, try one more. That's what he means. Have a walk worthy of the Lord. It means your desire in your life is that your character, your conduct, how you live equally matches Jesus' character. That's transformation. And you know how he says it, does that? Walk. One step at a time. One choice at a time. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for reminding us this morning that it is a walk. You've given everything, given us everything we need. We have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. And now, we must choose to take the next step. If we don't want to just be accumulating information, if we desire transformation, then Lord, we have to make choices. We have to make choices in our life. Real life choices that will require real life change. That will require, quite honestly, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord... We don't want to just comprehend, but now we're going to ask you to, as the Apostle Paul prayed, bring the application to us. What is the next step for us, for me? For me, what is the next step? That ultimately my life, my walk would be worthy of the Lord, would become more and more in balance with the Lord's character. What is that, Lord? What is it? And Jesus, as we prepare for communion, we're reminded of your choices. Of your choices. Ultimately, your choice of obedience and submission and faith and trust in your Father's will. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. That was a choice. That was a decision that you made, Jesus. And so we prepare for communion. if you're here and you've never made the decision, To put your faith in Christ. That is the ultimate decision. The foundation of everything. The foundation of a union, of a relationship with with God the Father through faith in Jesus. So this morning you can put your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. And maybe for some the step this morning is to make a U-turn and come back to the Lord. To take that step. Of repentance and say, I need to make a 180-degree turn and I need to take a step back to Jesus. Maybe some here you know and you've been struggling out of fear and anxiety about the faith step. And this morning you'll you'll make that decision. Yes, Lord. I am choosing. I am deciding. I own that I can decide to decide. And I decide to follow you, Jesus this day, in this area in my life. So wherever we are, Lord, we give this time of communion to you. And if you're new, we're going to bring the tray. There's You can come up uh, down the center aisles. There's two cups, representative of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. You can get two cups and go back to your seat. And have a time of, of prayer and a quiet time with the Lord and take communion as you'd like, just in remembrance of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. So we love you, Lord. We take communion now in remembrance of You, listening for the next step that You would have us to take. And we will do that by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: We do love You, Lord.
0: Thank You for loving us first. and Lord, as we leave, we want to just walk. Live a life worthy of You. Walk in newness of life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we do so, Lord. We trust that you will transform us. And all God's people said, Amen. In case you're wondering who that call was with, I have permission to tell you that was my oldest daughter who was in a conference in Florida. And when I called her yesterday to ask permission, I thought, oh, she might freak out if I want to ask permission to share that. She goes, oh, now go ahead. I told my teacher. I told my friend. (laughs) I talked to them. I said, I was going through it, and my dad told me to go sit on my bed. (laughs) (laughs) And she does it as a testimony that she she learned through the whole experience that she could make a decision. And it's a testimony to her teachers and her classmates who knew she was having a real tough time and was making their life rough. (laughs) But she learned... By learning to sit on her, that she could stand and sit in the midst of a circumstance she could decide. And it changed everything, and God is using it as a testimony to her teacher and her friends. Um, hey, we don't have it all together. We're in sanctification. We're in process, right? Mm-hmm. All right? Turn to the person next to you and say, God's not done with me yet.
1: God's with you, yeah.
0: Let's stand together and we'll sing a song. I asked, uh, I asked Bill to close us
1: in prayers today. And let's lift the prayer up to the Lord for how good He is. Amen. Lord, when we leave here today, God, I pray that when we say, You are good all the time, and all the time You are good, that in our transformation process, God, that You would show us how to just live that. And God, as we walk out of here today, I pray, Lord, that You would be lifted up. And God, that You would show us, You would help us in the transformation that You so desperately want for us. Help us to surrender as we walk out of here today, God, that it would be a good week that we could say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. good. Thank You, Jesus, for who You are in our lives. Bring us back next week. Renewed, restored, and victorious, Lord, in You. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And don't forget, there's cupcakes. Oh, no, we will forget. <laughs>